Fantastic. Thank you for sharing that first, Bridget. It's one of my favorites, too. I don't know that there, know that there's too many passages of Scripture in the Bible that we could say, I don't know, maybe there's a few. Not too many that we could say, oh, I just don't like that one. They're all our favorites. They're all good stuff. We've been talking about Jesus the Radical. It's been building. It's been, it's been uh, you know, everything, everything has been building. We've been reading about it. We've been reading through the Gospels. We've been coming to, uh, you just feel it coming to the end of the story. He's shown what it means to be a radical Jesus. We're down to those famous last words. Those, those, those last words carry a, a little bit different tone. He, he wants to share them in a way that, that they won't forget. Of all the things he said, of all the things that he, he wants to pass on to them, he wants these words to stick. He doesn't want them to lose these thoughts. If they remember nothing else, he wants them to remember these words. The words to bring closure, the words that will sum it all up. The words which will hopefully ring in their ears for decades to come. But let's catch up. We've come a long ways in, in this series, and uh, I don't want you to feel like, well, just coming in this second to the last one in the series, and I have no idea where we're going or what we're doing or what we're talking about. John the Baptist comes in wearing camel skins and, and leather belt. He looks a little strange, and, he, and he, he eats some strange things as well, bugs and honey. I can imagine dipped in honey, just about anything is edible. I don't know about locusts, though. He says the Messiah is coming. For the last several hundred years, they've been waiting. The Jews have been waiting for this Messiah. Their nation was enslaved, and they wanted a redeemer. Now John comes along, and he comes out of the wilderness, and he says, He is coming. He's almost here. And then Jesus walks in, and he says, Behold the Lamb of God. He baptizes Jesus along with many others. But when Jesus comes up out of the water, a voice comes out of heaven and says, This is my Son. Whom I love, listen to him. Is this him? Could this be the one? The one we've all been waiting for? Then the verses begin to fly by. The chapters begin to fly by. Jesus goes into the wilderness for a battle with Satan. Uh, He comes out victorious. Must be legit. From there, he walks down to the seashore and calls common fishermen, dock workers, to come and drop their business and follow him. And they do. From there, he goes into a church where a demon-possessed man screams out, What do you want with us? And Jesus says, Be quiet. Come out. The man drops to convulsions and the spirit leaves. From there, he goes to Peter's house where, his, where Peter's mother-in-law is sick. And this unbridled passion becomes compassion. Jesus heals her. He stays there all day and most of the night and he heals the sick and the lame. Then he goes on the road and finds a leprous man whose disease they, they thought was incurable. Jesus stops and he sticks his finger in those sores and the molecules rearrange themselves and the man is healed. He stops at this house and so many people gather. No one else can get in. So these guys cut a hole in the roof and they lower their friend down in. This paralyzed man is now in front of Jesus and is healed and walks out the front door. 
Then he goes and hangs out with tax collectors and other sinners. Not in today's terminology. The words back then, they used tax collectors and undisreputable sinners. These were the lowest of low. He's making a statement about who he is and how his followers will be known. Then he goes on talking about patches and wineskins to communicate that he says, I will not fit the view of religion or even Christianity. I will not be a Jesus patch in your life. I'm here to change your life. And this opportunity is open to everybody and everyone. Anybody who will claim the name of Christ. From there it goes, 28 chapters in Matthew, 16 in Luke, 24, I mean 16 in Mark, 24 in Luke, and 21 in John. All four write the Jesus story. And that's not all. Because John, at the end of his book, with writer's cramp pens, I'm done. But he says, there's not enough book, not enough pen, not enough paper in the world to capture all that this man did. We just gave you a few stories. The walking on the water, the feeding the 5,000, the spitting in the mud, loogies in the mud and picking up the mud and rubbing it in the, people's, the person's eyes to heal them. The blind man sees. There are just a few. I grew up thinking this was the entire story. John says, no. This may have been a few weeks, maybe a couple of months that we were able to capture. John's saying everywhere we went, everyone he touched and taught were changed. We can't write all the stories. These are the ones that 20 or 30 years later, 20, 30 years down the road, they looked back and said, we've got to write these down. We've got to write at least these ones down so that everyone can remember. They didn't have the internet. They didn't have live video feed. No webcams available. John says, we gave you the best of. So we see it. He didn't come to abolish them from slavery, to restore their power. He came to die on a cross, a sacrificing Messiah. And nobody really wanted that. Three days later, he rose again, and there was much disbelief about that as well. So we made it to the last words. Jesus tries to send them out, turn them loose, commission them. Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. Punch it in on your uh, apps. Flip your pages. Follow along with me. You'll probably, uh, probably stick right here in Matthew 28. Last chapter of, the, of Matthew. And uh, probably stick there for most of the, most of the uh, few minutes I'm up here. You can see there's only a few words left. Matthew 28. We're at the end of the story. If you have the colorized version, you'll notice that there's, there's some in red. It starts out in a very odd way. This is going to blow you away. This is, this is his radical plan. Radical Jesus comes up with a radical plan. Matthew 28, look, starting in verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Jesus says, go up there, I'll meet you up there. When they saw him... They worshipped him. Pretty normal. But some doubted. Also pretty normal. When Jesus came to them, he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Stop right there. Don't read on. 
Many many of us have grown up in the church, been familiar with with our Bibles, and we call this the Great Commission, the two verses that follow. God's will for our lives, our, our written, given mission statement, if you will. But before we go there, think about the statement that Jesus makes. Go there. Don't just hear it from 2,000 years away. Be there on the mountain with them. He waited till the last ones gathered. He waited till the slow ones made it up the hill. They were all gathered. Some probably, well, I don't know if they had coffee back then. Probably not Starbucks. They're stirring their coffee and he waited till they all quieted down. Made sure that they were all able to hear. One of the coolest opening lines in all of history. Only because no one could ever say what he said. Not before this time, not after. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. It's all been building at this point. He fulfilled over 300 prophecies, performed miracles. He did the teaching. He died on the cross. He rose the third day. He's been hanging out with them in different appearances over the last 40 days. And he's saying, I did what I did. I, came, I did what I, I came here to do. And I am who I claimed that I am. He goes up there on the mountain, shares his last words, the opening lines of this final farewell. All power, all earthly power, all heavenly power in the physical and the spiritual realms is here. I have it. I can do anything, anything imaginable and even the unimaginable. Way beyond our simple human comprehension. I am God. Remember in Philippians chapter 2, he says, even though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Not here. He came to this earth as human, but now he's died on the cross and he's risen from the dead. Things have changed. All authority in heaven and on earth were his. What are you going to do with it? And he goes on, therefore... Because of all the stuff that he had done, because of the life that he had lived and the death he had died and the the resurrection that he had made happen, all authority in heaven and on earth were his. What's he going to do? Kind of a lame ending. I was hoping for a little more. I mean, really. What could he have done? Think about it. I, I don't think I would have written it like this if... If I would have been there, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have come up with this idea. This is not one of them. Hand it off to some knuckleheads that don't have a clue on what's going on. I mean, even said right there, some of them doubted. Right before he said this still, there's some doubting. I mean, seriously, what did you come up with in your, in your groups? What, what kinds of thoughts and what kinds of ideas? What could have, what could have happened Instead of this. I mean, think about it. Nine o'clock every morning, every Sunday morning, in every time zone, in every culture, the heavens could split open and the face of God could come down and share a 35-minute message with each and every one of us. All creation would stop once a week for this message. He could have done that, right? And of course, the angels would come along and they would sing three verses, two standing, one sitting, and prayer in between. It could have been epic. That's not what he wrote. 
he could have set it up that any time the congregation got together for services, an angel of light would join their service. And the angel would share words from God, uh, from God of heaven, just for your congregation, for your community, right where you are. He could have done it. No problem. That would have been easy. It would have been pretty cool. I mean, think about it. Much cooler than what he did. You could tell if the church was healthy or not by how bright your angel was. And you'd get to church and like, oh, this is a, this is a dim angel. I'm, I'm out of here. I'm going somewhere else. He could have done it. We came up with some pretty good ones in our group this morning. A reset button, for instance. I wasn't in everybody's group, so I can't share all yours. A reset button. You know, when somebody's just being a little turd, just go over there and push the reset button, and they would just be happy and kind and polite again. Wouldn't that be great? And even on yourselves, like you just had this this grudge against somebody, and you're like, just really sick and tired of this person. You could just push a button on the back of your head or some, somewhere and you'd reset. You could forgive easily. Be nice, right? Be great. I mean, what if, what if you opened your Bible and a, and a 15-inch hologram of Jesus popped out? I mean, that'd be cool, right? And, and people at work say, well, I don't believe in God. You, you want to see him? Watch. And he just come right out of his Bible and you just talk to you right there. Wouldn't that be cool? He could have done it. Right? He could have. It's possible. What if instead of manna, like he gave in the morning at the wilderness, what if he sent a mailer instead of, a, instead of manna? He sent a mailer. Every, every person, every, you know, on every doorstep, he'd just go out in the morning, every morning, and you'd pick up your mailer, and you'd, you'd open it up, and inside there would be the, you know, like the, the horoscope for, for the day. Except it would be true, of course. Just tell you, lay out what exactly was going to happen today, how it was going to, you know, what everything was going to take place, all that you needed. Hey, focus on this passage of scripture and this verse today because you're going to need this. Wouldn't that be nice? He could have done it. All these things could have happened. What about each night you go to bed and there's like, you would have visions of what was going to happen the next day. I'm like, okay, here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to take place. Be prepared. This is what's going to happen. Could have happened. Could have, you know, he could have done that. I mean, just even, even just every meal, if there was like a fortune cookie that was true, every time you ate, you just opened the fortune cookie, and, and that, that fortune cookie told you exactly what was going to happen in the next few hours, it'd be great. What if everybody had a little, uh-oh, there it goes. What if everybody just had a little angel and a little devil? You ever seen those little cartoons where a devil on this side and an angel on this side? What if everybody had one of those all the time? And once you gave your life to Christ, once you became a Christian, then, then that devil would just go away and there'd be two angels. It'd be really nice because anytime you're in, in a group of people, it's like, oh, well, that guy, yeah, he's, he's got it. He's, got, he's, he's a Christian. He's a believer. That'd be nice, right? Except you come across that person with two devils. Like, uh, we, know, we know what's up there. See if this works. Oops, except I got to put it in the right way. It could have happened. He could have done it. All authority in heaven and on earth given to him. And this is the way he passes it along. Be honest. How many of you think you could have come up with a cooler ending to the story? I know we're in church and you can't vote against God. I understand that. But it could have been so much better. Jesus builds it up, claims all authority, then turns it over to the disciples. Turns it over to us. 
We found out later, we find out later that these guys turn out to be pretty cool and they do a lot for, for the kingdom. But at this time, he handed it over to them. They weren't much. I mean, some were fishermen. I think, I mean, I, Peter, James, and John for sure, but I think there was more than just the three of them. They weren't even good fishermen. I mean, every time we see them fishing, what do they catch? Nothing. I mean, really, nothing on their own. Jesus has to come in and, you know, on the other side, boys. Then we have Thomas, who has a descriptive word in the front of his name, right? Doubting Thomas. These guys weren't epic men. They weren't. We talked about Peter last week. This guy had some issues. I mean, seriously, think about it. Jesus dies on the cross, and where does Jesus take the boys? I mean, where does Peter take the boys after Jesus dies on the cross? <laughs> he takes them fishing. I'm like, that's epic. That's a good, good plan. Jesus dies on the cross, and we're, we're going to go fishing. I mean, Don and I would be fine with that because we like fishing. But really, after all Jesus went through, the, the death on the cross, and, and now they're out just fishing? Matthew was a tax collector. I can't believe Jesus left the family business to these guys. All authority is given to Jesus and he sends out these knuckleheads. None of them stood with him in the garden. At his arrest, they all bolted. This is not a group that you would leave the family business to. He asks them to do some amazing things. He says, go and make disciples. Look at 19 and 20. Go and make disciples, baptize them. Not just, not just a Jesus patch, a full change, all in commitment. You're dunked, you're dead in Christ, and you rise a new person. Baptize them. And then, and then Jesus came to change the life, not just patch it. Teach them to observe all that I've commanded, and I'll be with you. It's quite the story quite the ending. I don't usually read the sequel, but I had to find out what happens. What happened? What did these clowns do with what Jesus just said? Five pages and that's just the intro? You guys are in trouble. You guys are in trouble. Let's get to the main point. Three quick stories. Three quick stories of a radical church. These, Jesus passed this on to us, and now we've got to be this radical church. It's a, we, we've got a new kind of power. We talked about it in our discussion groups. This power was a radical power that was given to these disciples, and now we have it with us. The reason he could pick these disciples, and even people like us, is because there was a new kind of power. We read it in Acts chapter 1, verse 6 through, six through 8. He says, So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? <laughs> you guys don't get it. He replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and the ends of the world, ends of the earth. John 14, John 15. If you love me, obey my commandments. I will ask the Father. He, he, he will send another, an advocate for you. Right? The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him. He doesn't recognize him. But you know him. And because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Now will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you will also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. 
Those who accept my commands and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. The Spirit's going to be within. 15 and verse 4 of John says, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's been severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. This power is going to be a little different. It's a new kind of power. Obeying him in, in such a way, when, when we obey him in such a way that it changes us, it changes us to, to the point that when we live our lives, we impact those around us. That's what he's talking about. He said, I could, do a, I could do a hologram that pops out of the Bible. I could do that. I could do God's face peeking through the clouds and looking down at you. I could do the whole reset button anytime you needed to forgive someone. I thought long and hard about this, and I've chosen to send you with this new kind of power, the Holy Spirit. The whole purpose for us to be here. If you have become a faithful follower of Jesus Christ, your purpose has changed. It is now to be a positive influence on those around you. 2 Timothy 1, 7-9, we read it. God doesn't give us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, of love, and of self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. That's our purpose. And it's with a new kind of power. Once we get the idea, we're here to influence others, to go out and help others follow Jesus too. We become a new kind of community, a radical community. Look at what happens in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, all the believers, I like it, Acts 2 and Acts 4 both start with, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and sharing meals, Lord's Supper, prayer time. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together in temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals. Great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying God the a goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Here's the difference. New kind of power made. Following and making disciples, it was a new kind of community. They were joined together. They were one. Acts chapter 4, verse 32. All the believers were united in one heart and in one mind. Wow. Can you imagine a community like that where we all are together in one and we all are striving for one goal? Obviously, these folks in Acts chapter 4 thought that Jesus was coming back right away. Because look what they did. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles and give to those in need. Right? Those kind of economics wouldn't work today. And we can see later on in the, in the uh, you know, 10, 20 years later that, that many of the churches were calling saying, hey, well, they weren't calling. They were sending people to run because they didn't have cell phones back then. They were sending people to run and say, hey, we're, we're out of cash over here. We sold all of our stuff. We stopped, we stopped our business. Now we're in need. They thought he was coming back right away. But you see the sense that they had. They see, you see the unity that they had. It was all about community. It's how you affect those around you. People kept seeing, I, I see, I've seen religion, but this goes beyond religion. It's a new kind of community. The world hasn't, world hasn't seen this kind of community before. This is new. This is radical. 
community. Whatever sphere you live in, it doesn't matter. Whether you live in an $8 million house or you live in an $8 cardboard shack mansion. I like cardboard mansions. Whatever sphere you live in, the world that needs to be influenced is, in the, is, is the world that you live in. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter who you are. The sphere that you live in is the one that needs your help. It's a radical kind of community with a radical power. And it's developed a radical ministry. Once again, go there with these guys. Don't read it from 2,000 years away. Go with it. Go, go where they were. This was not very many years after Christ had given this commission to them. He had ascended into heaven, and now they were given the Holy Spirit, and they were, they were, this was the ministry. Look at what happened. Acts chapter 3. I don't think this one's on the screen, so you're going to have to look it up. Acts chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Look at it with me. This is a cool story. Acts chapter 3, starting in verse 1. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the, at the time of prayer. Well, that's good. Probably a good idea to go, go to the temple when it's time to pray. It's about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was, had been carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. Good place to beg, right? Because everybody's watching, and you should probably give when you go to church. So, you know, it's, it's a good place to sit and beg. When, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. They both fixed their gaze on this individual who was begging at the gate. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them their attention, expecting to get something from them. Who's talking? Was it John, the the love character here? Or was it Peter? It was Peter. Can you imagine what John must have been thinking when Peter said, look at us? John's like, oh man, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? Think about it. John would be freaking out at this point. I, he would not be, I, I mean, I've been in positions like this where you're riding around with somebody and, that has lots of authority and lots of, and it's like, oh man, what's going to happen? Matt's going to handcuff him and throw him in the back seat. What's going to happen? Look what Peter does. Then Peter said, silver and gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Then what? Well, I better help him up. So he reaches down and helps him up. And look what happens. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking, jumping, praising God. In the temple courts? I was a little weird it's not a normal practice in temple courts to run and jump and be crazy it wasn't what Peter had it was who Peter had right 
Acts chapter 3, look at verse 9. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized that he was the lame beggar that they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was, was holding tightly to Peter and John. Peter saw this opportunity with this new kind of power, new kind of community. Peter has turned this into a new kind of ministry. He grabs on to this opportunity. People of Israel, he said, why are you so surprised about this? And why stare at us as though we had made this man by our own power? We had made this man walk by our own power and our own godliness. And look what Peter does. He breaks in that good old-fashioned preaching for a whole page. I don't know what, how, how much it takes on your Bible, but Peter goes off. He just goes into sermon mode, and he just preaches them a sermon. This is a new kind of ministry. It was, it was not about being astonished with the person. It wasn't about following a particular person around the nation, around the country, but getting fed here and getting healed here and seeing miracles here and seeing uh, demons leave and jump into pigs and jump off a cliff. It, it wasn't about that. It was about the name of Jesus Christ. This is a new kind of ministry. It wasn't a miracle by this man named Peter. Peter said, don't think we're all that. Think he is all that. Peter's saying, don't look at us. This ministry focuses attention on Jesus Christ, not on the individual. He wraps up his sermon like this. Look at verse, chapter 4, verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name above heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and, James and, John, or Peter and John, they realized they were unschooled, ordinary men. But they were astonished by what they said. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. 1 Peter 3.15, we read it a little while ago. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you for the hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. It's not about me. It's about him. It's not about a character. It's not about, it's about him. Think about dad having a family business. He's very successful. The benefits of being in the family are amazing. Uh, we all have the things little kids could ever want. He, he takes great care of us with the success of his business. We start to, start to grow up, and the benefits are even better. He buys us cars and, and toys and motorcycles and all kinds of cool stuff. He's got, us, he's got us all suited up. Life really becomes about trusting dad and his successful family business. Dad's willing to support and take care of us for as much time as we need. But at some point, we realize we should buckle down and start contributing to the family business. Our obedience turning from not only our own, obedience turning from, from not only from our own, but also helping others obey as well. Asking others to join the family. Then not just asking them to join, join, but really getting our hands in the business, fighting for their very lives, their relationship with dad, helping others become real followers of him as well. It's pretty easy to sit back. It's pretty easy to enjoy the benefits of being in the family. But at some point, we need to rise up and become part of it. New kind of power, developing a new kind of community so we can participate in a new kind of ministry. We're getting this accomplished. We are this radical church. 
We are the radical community with the radical power that has a radical ministry. We're getting this accomplished. Where do you fit in? I want us to be that radical church. I want us to be inescapable because of who we serve. Not because we do acts of kindness. Not because we're out in the community serving. I want us to amaze the community by, by what we do. But that's not the point. The point is we need to amaze the community by who we have. The grand design behind the family business, he left it to us. I totally agree. I mean, a hologram popping out of a Bible, I mean, I think that would have been so much cooler. But that's not the way he had it in his head. And he's the boss. We all have a job to do. Love the lost, serve the lost, teach the lost. It's not about a weekend. It's not about something we do on Sundays. It's a lifestyle. We are plan A. And there is no plan B. The world out there, to the world at large, we are it. We have to take that on. The words end of the story, the chapters are still being written. You and I are the continued chapters and verses of the Jesus story. He chose you and I to carry this through to the end. I heard a quote this week. It said, the ultimate and selfish act is a person who is content to go to heaven alone. The ultimate and selfish act is a person content to go to heaven alone. We have a radical power. We have a radical community. We also have a radical ministry. Let's point as many as we can to God this week. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the opportunity to be together this morning. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for sending your spirit among us. We thank you for this amazing power that you've given. God, I pray that as we, as we go away from here, as we go out into the world and, and have those opportunities come to us left and right, God, as they come, help us to utilize that great power that you've given within to become that community of believers that is out in the, in the neighborhoods, out in the, in the world, ministering to those in need. God, help us to be Jesus with skin on this week. Help us to be that, that minister that they need to reach you. God, help us to join in the family business this week and be all about you. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.